Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Quarter. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 70, take two. So last week we we missed our episode because we had a little technical difficulties recording. And uh, so it wasn't going to be good if we just had two-thirds of the conversation published and considered maybe like putting it out and just letting people put it in their own comments in there and putting it back out. But yeah, this wasn't going to be a good episode no matter what. Well, it's a, it's a real bummer. Cause I think it was, it was the best work we've done so far as a team. Um, you know, we had the special guest, we, uh, had Greg Frederigi on, uh, his, his audio did not get lost. Uh, you know, we talked about all kinds of good stuff, <laughs> but, uh, It'll have to be a mystery to everyone else. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah, and then uh, this past week I was down in Dallas, Texas. Got some brisket. That was good. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Is that the only exciting thing you did? Uh, you played Pokemon most... Go? Pokemon <laughs> Go, yeah. yeah. Sam's finally That's playing right. Pokemon Go. Yeah, it wasn't last week. And then uh, had a lot of uh, shopping and stuff to do with the wife and... So I pulled out the phone and downloaded Pokemon Go, and I got to like level four really fast. I don't know if it, I don't think it was just me. I think they just level you up pretty quickly. But yeah, they want to give you that positive reinforcement. That works. Yeah. And I didn't think I was playing that much, but I also okay. had my son playing playing it for me while we were driving in the car. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yes. That's perfect for six year olds. I have sixteen year olds. Yeah, and those two. What my six-year-old does sometimes. So, Sam, you helped uh, Niantic break a new record of the most downloads in uh, kind of the first few launch weeks in yeah. history by far. And according to uh, some articles, Apple is set to make $3 billion in revenue on Pokemon Go from the in-app purchases. Awesome. <laughs> that, that's Apple's cut. Yep. Right. So Niantic is making a little more than two times that. Well, if they're getting thirty percent, the report's correct. Although Apple's Google getting... gets some of that. Yeah. Yes. Pokemon Company. Nintendo gets a teeny little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious how much their uh, bandwidth's costing them. Oh, it must be huge. Yeah, I, I know three they... billion dollars can cover it though. <laughs> the, those first couple of weeks were pretty rough. I'm sure. I'm sure there were a lot of. Uh, engineers and developers uh having some pretty rough weekends and nights oh yeah just keeping up with the the unexpected demand but well for me for me i benefited from jumping on late i really haven't had any of those hiccups yeah yeah um in the past week I'd, i don't think i've heard anybody complaining about having trouble getting in and they fixed the uh the issue where it would require full access to your google account which is nice yep yeah, Did you really, guys see though, what... really, people should be creating their own fake Google accounts for these things so that they can then sell these Pokemon accounts later <laughs> on eBay. Nice. <laughs> it used to be like an aftermarket uh, Pokemon trade. Yeah, or you can pay people, you can use people to walk your Pokemons for you and hatch those eggs and stuff. There's a whole cottage industry that if you just use a fake Gmail account, you can get away with doing stuff with this. Well, there's like Pokemon Go chauffeurs and stuff out there. 
all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> There's a Pokemon dating app uh, where you can find a date to go Pokemon hunting. <laughs> oh, nice. no, by, by far, though, the worst is the... There's a subreddit called Pokemon Not Safe for Work, <laughs> and it's <laughs> basically not safe for work images of the augmented reality in the Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I, yeah. <laughs> you can definitely see people taking that uh, too far. Mm -hmm. Oh, and there's one that's kind of shaped funny that is now the the Pokemon male anatomy picture of choice. I think he's called Diglett or something. So, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this is still popular a month from now. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody will top uh, Pokemon Go for a long time. No, this, they definitely crushed King in, in this already, as far as daily active users. And weren't they even rivaling Twitter? For a while, if they didn't surpass Twitter, I think they surpassed Twitter. Yeah. What um, did you guys did you guys see what happened with uh, Nintendo's stock price? It like doubled to be to have more market cap than Sony, and and then Nintendo put out a press release that was like, "So just to let you guys know, we've already accounted for the revenue from Pokemon Go. We don't get you know that big a slice of it." Uh, they did that like. Friday after the close of business, and then their stock like dropped a bunch on Monday. <laughs> they they did it Friday after all their executives sold a bunch of stock. And they, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like I think, that. Yeah, I think I mistakenly said that this was one of Nintendo's early entries into iOS apps, and I I was quoting an article that I had seen, but yeah, they pretty much just have some sort of licensing play. Uh, ironically, the engineers. From Niantic came from a Google spinoff, so you know Google is actually more involved than uh, Nintendo is on this. And definitely, uh, they they uh, did some serious load testing of uh, Google's backend, the Google App Engine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm sure that they've uh, spun up a lot of servers for this thing at this point. Yeah. So there's even people making third-party apps that show off like where the Pokemon are, but either crowdsourced information or they'll use uh, the actual API as well. I guess some people have kind of reverse-engineered that, and so they're querying all these different geolocations and then yeah. displaying it in, your app, in their apps. And I think I saw an article from a developer that was talking about... Um, Building an MVP and for a couple apps that that he built on the cheap, and uh, I think he hit over a million users, and they were Pokemon Go spinoffs, like you know, sharing screenshots and uh, a chat yeah. app to go along with it. So uh, I even saw a case for sale for the iPhone that'll help you do better at hitting the Pokemon and catching the Pokemon. So it kind of goes over the screen and guides your finger. <laughs> Some of them are kind of painful to hit. Yeah. But anyway, nice. we shouldn't go on too long about that. We're not a yeah. Pokemon podcast. At least not yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like hitting the lottery in the app store. You know, they 
managed to hit on something pretty good that appealed to a large number of people. It's kind of the Flappy Birds times a thousand. Oh, yeah. But in this case, though, it's not one developer hitting it big. It's definitely a, a, a studio. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, uh, so, so it's not an indie uh, success story necessarily, but definitely, right. definitely a major app store success story. Yeah, and it's not like they haven't had their their ups and downs. Their their last game made a little splash on Android, and then they took a long time to port it over to iOS, and it never really went anywhere. But it's, I think it's essentially the same game, just without Pokemon. They've they've added some more stuff to it, but yeah, it's pretty similar. In terms of like the the geolocations and and such, I think they were able to leverage a lot of what they had done with their previous app. Sure. And that's you know it's not an unusual story of uh, taking a a few tries to to find the right formula, and even right. then there's no guarantee. But, yeah, just just keep tweaking till you get it right. Yeah. So we did have iOS. 10 beta 3 released last week. Yeah, pretty much all the all the betas got revved. Even uh, some of the the Mac OS uh, had a, an official release of I know there's at least a one security issue that gets patched in the, the latest update <laughs> of Mac OS or OS 10 still. Yeah. Today have they gone to public beta yet? Yes. On yes, they have. Yeah, this is the so with the developer beta three, they hit uh, public beta two. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't realize they were that far in for the public betas. Yeah, as yeah, soon as the I... second beta came out, they did all the public betas shortly thereafter, I believe. Okay, and it's really been fairly stable. So yeah, yeah, and a lot of the noticeable changes in iOS ten really give you a little bit more control over some of the the changes, like the um, you can change in the accessibility settings the unlock to be like iOS 9, where you just rest your your fingerprint on the home button and it'll unlock. Or you can leave it as is and just press the button. Yeah. I, I've i kind of gotten used to the, the button press now. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just going to leave it on. Yeah. And, you know, part of the reasoning for the change they made is that before you never had a chance to really see your notifications on your home screen, so on your lock screen. Yeah, I still miss them. <laughs> still, still misses. I, still I do feel like sometimes I, I press the home button twice. And then you get uh, Apple Pay. Well, I, I don't uh, press it right in rapid succession anymore, but it does take me a couple times. Like I'll press it too fast, and then it'll unlock, and then I'll um, press it again. Yeah, I really haven't come up with a good pull out of pocket motion to to do all this just yet. Yeah. Before it, I had a nice like gunslinging <laughs> mode where I pull it out of my pocket, have my thumb on the home button as I'm bringing the phone up to my face, and it was all ready. It was all there, ready for me. Uh, now that we have that extra step, I, I'm all thrown off balance now. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't dropped that. my phone or anything. Yeah, you gotta have that fast draw so you can catch the Pokemon. <laughs> That's right. So, 
Yeah, so any of you guys out there that usually wait till the later betas to actually load it on your, your daily driving phone, it's probably safe to go to, to take a look inside and see how it's working and try it out. Uh, yeah. I would never I would never recommend that to anyone. That's a decision they have to make on their own. <laughs> yeah, well, I will, it's, I will leave it's it still at beta. this. Yeah, it's beta, but it's been good for me. Yeah. Like, I'm, been... not, I'm not having my wife put it on her phone or anything like that yet i haven't noticed any issues with beta 3 um i haven't really tried it on my ipad too much yet to see if they fixed some of the orientation change issues but on the phone i haven't seen really any issues with beta 3 yeah it's been solid for me even beta 1 was pretty solid though it did have issues the the big things i think we talked about it with beta 1 but there's the Orientation change issues on the iPad and audio issues on the on the iPhone. And I right. ha- haven't had any issues with audio with Beta Three yet. Okay. Maybe they took out that profiling code. Now I did get a new phone, so that could contribute to that as well. So. <laughs> so I did a a clean install, so that probably helped. Oh yeah, you tried, you tried to wash. That. You tried to wash your phone, your old phone, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> after so many iPhones, I finally uh, became one of the statistics of people who've uh, drowned their iPhone. So, yeah. although I'm not sure if I would have watched it the way that Alex did, <laughs> if I was going to watch <laughs> something. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's down there playing with all the baby alligators now, right? yeah. or it was trying to be. And this is why you got to be careful where you play Pokemon Go. <laughs> you weren't taking one of those not safe for work pictures, were you? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have to cut that. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to cut the not safe for work Pokemon Go thing out after looking at the, the Reddit. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, it's definitely not safe for work for a reason. Yeah. Well, we, no. don't, we don't have the explicit tags. So. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, I, I was just washing my hands and I picked up my phone and fumbled it. So nothing yeah, too see, exciting there. That's what happens when you don't put the lid down. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Always put the lid down. But, all right, so... <laughs> so where do you go from there? Swift so, 3 Endgame? Kind of ended like your last phone? Yeah. It's not a good segue, but... So there's still some uh, some debate about some changes with Swift 3 and whether or not classes will be final by default. And I think they have until Wednesday. Wednesday is supposed to be the cutoff. Right. So you'll believe, know after you, when you listen to the podcast whether or not that change was went through. But I think it was like they had said, okay, this is what classes will be, will not be subclassable by default unless you use some keyword and they're debating about, you know, what the keyword would be to do that. Um, but it looks like, there's a lot of uproar about it over the past week or so, and they've taken it back into review. So, yeah, and there's good arguments on both sides. Um, you know, being able to to be explicit about whether a class is final and kind of leaving things open for extension is arguably a good thing. Um, there was some debate whether uh, Existing like framework classes should not be subclassed. Like things that Apple has marked, for example, that you should not subclass, but people do anyway. Um, 
like uh, you know, ar- arguably those should uh, be closed for extension. Yeah, the AV Foundation view controller. Yeah, AV, yeah. I don't admit, I you know I've run into, I've seen people a subclass that, and you know they probably didn't have to do that. They could have done composition instead of subclassing it. And to add some behavior, they didn't really do it to work around any issues. They just did it to add some additional behavior. Um, so you okay. know, I, I can, I don't see why you couldn't just be explicit with that and and say final. You know, I, I feel like that's a little bit more clear personally. If if that's your goal, say this is not intended to be subclass, but you know, some people are advocating that things should be final by default because it discourages uh, extension through uh, subclassing as opposed to composition, which you know, I think most people would agree these days that that's a better approach. But it's not it always is. the right approach. Yeah, so if you look at Java, where everything is open, not final by default, and it's not really had any problems, and then you Related look at to C- that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you got C Sharp, which is closed and final by default. And it's still not really had any problems. But I would rather program with the Java inheritance model than I would with the C Sharp inheritance model. Only because sometimes you need to get in there and you need to plug your stuff in where the framework provider has not allowed things to get in there. Because you don't want to play their political game. You want to do your own thing. And .NET shuts you off at every corner that way. Whereas in Java, you could get in there and do what you need to do. Yeah, and I, I feel like leaving the subclassing open, you know, leaves it open for extension as opposed to... And, and by when you don't want that to be the case, you can be explicit and say, this is final... I don't intend this to be extended um, for for good reasons. But the other way around, I feel like uh, you'd end up with too many scenarios where people end up re-implementing somebody else's library just because it's closed for extension. Yeah, I think it's it's wishful thinking to to think that every library author is going to you know, think deeply about whether or not they want their class to be subclassable and w- what what they need to do in order to make that, you know, not not buggy. Most people are just going to do something that works and say, "Hey, I can open source this," so they'll they'll do that and they'll take pull requests or whatever. But it takes a long time at, or a project to get pretty big for people to kind of begin thinking about those types of things. I think. Yeah. I yeah, just for me personally, I like the the more open nature. Uh, yeah, and we're not even probably... getting into what the keywords they decide to use to to represent that. That's that's a whole another part of the debate. Oh, those were pretty ugly. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't even remember what what the options were, but it was just uh, kind of oddly worded. Yeah, I just remember thinking, there's no way they'll let that. Those be the final keywords. So, yeah. When this episode comes out, hopefully this will all be decided and 
my personal vote will have been open for extension, but we'll see. I think most people who started with Objective-C don't want to lose that ability for the most part. And like like yeah. you said before, you wouldn't with Objective-C classes because those would not be closed in Swift. Right. Because They'd just it, be Swift things. Yeah, because they're still doing message passing under the hood. So there was an interesting article I saw last week, and there are some guys that have actually released a Android app on the Play Store that is using Swift. Now, it's not a full native Swift app or anything like that by any stretch, but they they had an iOS app, and they took it, and they it was actually a hybrid app, and they wrote some components in in Swift that uh, were performance sensitive and then they were able to do that and then it kind of took this big gamble because swift hadn't even been open sourced yet That's and then insane. they yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's a huge gamble i mean i guess they they could have gone and re-implemented that thing in c plus plus but these guys are actually more uh, web developer focused so i guess going to swift was even a little bit of a stretch for them but they Reimplemented there or recompiled? Like no, they didn't. They didn't really fully recompile. They had to make some changes to their source code, but they bridged it to Java with JNI and then into their hybrid app. And now it's on Android, and they're probably one of the first ones out there, if not the first. the uh, The app was called Flowkey. It's, it's the thing they needed to do the performance sensitive part was related to uh, listening for audio and detecting notes being played. So really cool. Um, definitely not a thing that is uh, ready for prime time, but I'm I'm watching it. I don't know. It just I don't even think it's ready to use on iOS yet for, for big things. Maybe with <laughs> Swift three once they figure out this uh... this final thing. Yeah, but yeah. And and I, you know, Alex, I think what you're getting to is the, the fact that the syntax is still fairly fluid, and hopefully that'll, as of the 27th, will be fairly locked down. But you know, we're like about two years of of with three major releases of Swift uh, with syntax changes, and um, even with the migrators, it still takes a while to to migrate the code over. Yeah, you were telling us earlier that you were having a fun time moving stuff over to Swift 3, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been trying to. I've got a relatively large project that's in Swift, and uh, it still has a lot of Objective-C in the project as well. And even with the migrator, it, uh, it was definitely painful with... Uh, I think I was on Beta 2 at the time, uh, so I'm going to try Beta 3 and, and see if it works any better. But uh, it, it was going to be... You know, at least a, a few hours, if not a day or two, to get the compiler happy with everything. And little things like, um, you know, it did change like NSDate to date and a few things like that. And I uh, did run into an issue where one of my classes happened to have the same name as one of the new foundation classes. I think it's in foundation, the measurement class. Uh, so I had something called measurement. So... In, it uh, thoroughly confused the compiler um, because my class had different uh, 
different methods. Uh, so I had to uh, prefix the name of my my class <laughs> in order to, to fix the issue. Did you call it my measurement class? Uh, we, we've got a few. Uh, we were using a prefix in Objective-C, uh, so we stopped using it with Swift. But now that foundation classes or more classes don't have prefixes in Swift, um, we have to be careful of collision. Yeah, I well, you can use the the module name in front of the class name. Yeah, but then it feels kind of weird. Yeah, it does. And there's not really a import as right. You can't just say import this thing as yeah. this name. And Java had that where you can could basically yeah. have a a shorthand for for package. Oh, that didn't okay. come till much later. Yeah, yeah. And we we just and we still don't have quite the same concept of namespaces. I mean, we've got modules, but it's still somewhat limiting. Um, cause yeah, a lot of people their entire projects in one module, and um, if you import UIKit, you are implicitly importing foundation. So, I mean, you're importing a lot just out of the gate with that. That's true. It'd be nice not to link to so much, so many different things. Yeah, it definitely makes it e easier in some ways. I mean, with Java, we had to have wildcards because we'd end up with a page worth of uh, import statements for, <laughs> for some libraries. So um, the wildcards helped. So I don't know. It's yeah. there, there's pros and cons to it, but it's not too bad. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things like you go through the pain once and and then you're done and it probably won't cause any issues later on. Yeah. Mm. So, so going back to the uh, Android twist stuff, even though I think it's insane to do that, um, was there a little write up for what they did and how that all works somewhere that people can look for if they're interested, Sam? Yeah, it was three different articles or a series of three articles on medium. So we'll post that in the show notes. Okay. And, I guess, you know, punishment. <laughs> if you want one language that you can use everywhere, you know, I, I think long term I would prefer Swift over JavaScript. Personally, don't say, don't, don't say JavaScript. It's not really a language. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you could probably do other languages. Like you can do RubyMine or not RubyMine. What do they call the Ruby on iOS? Ruby Motion at one point. I don't know. Motion. So call yeah. that. It still is, I believe. Last yeah. I looked, mm -hmm. it's still out there. I mean, you could probably you can use .NET with like Xamarin, but or you could use JavaScript with something like React Native. But it's uh, I don't know. I think I prefer a strongly typed language with a good compiler and debugger uh, over something like JavaScript. But that's yeah. me. And and when you do this, you're you're definitely stepping outside of the bounds of oh, one yeah. of the at least one of the Way outside the platforms. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're not going to get a lot of first class Android support right now or Google support for Swift. And if you choose JavaScript, you're not going to get first class support from either company. Um, there's Go. Go works. And it has a decent level of support for both iOS and Android. But again, it's not a first party kind of supported thing yeah. so by even though company. 
even though Go is from Google, it's still, you know, in terms of Android, it's still more of a hobby effort to get it to work on, on Android. Yes. It's not, it's not a first class. You know, Kotlin probably has more chance of being a first class citizen on Android than, than Go at at the moment. Yeah. Not to say that Go is a hobby language for, for Google. It's, they're definitely serious about it. Just not of, so much of the dozen or so languages that they've created, that's probably one <laughs> of the top three. <laughs> yeah, uh, they could use a little bit of focus help, I think. Oh, well. Seems mm, to be working out for them. They're doing all right. I don't know if they have a dozen or not. I know they have at least three, but... Yeah. They had Go, Dart. Uh, they had some, not really languages per se, but if you count the one that would take Java and transpile it to JavaScript. J G W T. Language. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a web framework toolkit. And Kotlin technically I think is uh JetBrain, not Yes, right. that is true. Kotlin is. Um Oh, I know they've had a few side projects in addition to Dart and Go. Yeah. Um those are probably the the ones that have had the most success. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. they've got some influence, I think, in TypeScript, but because of the whole deal with Angular, but they're not definitely not the ones behind the the language. Yeah, and and part of that is kind of their twenty percent time. So they've got engineers that go and and solve problems, and they may or may not get traction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes creating a new language is is the best way to solve a domain-specific problem, and sometimes it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Alex, two weeks ago you talked about toying with a Hackintosh idea. Has this thing come to fruition? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, we we keep expecting new MacBook Pros and new Mac Pros to come out. And I'm sure we've we've brought that up multiple times. I think we... We're all expecting, you know, they've got to, you know, have something in June. And, and June came and went and nothing happened. Um, you know, there's Intel now even has a brand new processor, Cabby Lake, which is kind of the next gen after Skylake. Um, but if, uh, Apple plans to use Cabby Lake, they're looking at late 2016, early 2017. Um, if we're lucky. And hopefully they won't wait for Cabby Lake. Hopefully they'll ship some updated hardware with Skylake. But, you know, I've yeah. mentioned multiple times I my personal computer died and Apple no longer sells the uh, the parts or well, no, no longer stocks the parts. So I ended up building a Hackintosh just kind of for fun. Um, found a couple good guides online and bought the parts. I had to jump through a few hoops to get everything working and kind of do quite a bit of research. But you've done the research yeah. and now you know, right? It's kind of like yeah. a done thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. For the most part, I've got um, I've got one more part being shipped. Apple has very specific requirements for uh, the Bluetooth controller, so um, you know, there's a couple kind of aftermarket places that will put the Broadcom uh, Bluetooth 
onto a PCI Express card so you can put it into a Hackintosh. Um, so you, you can find them in a few places, or I think you can make your own if you can get the Broadcom chip. Hmm. So, so that's the the last piece, and and that's what you need if you want to get things like continuity and handoff to work. And it's kind of like magic once you get it there. It's just like boom, and all works. Hooray! He's yeah, big. yeah. I mean, there was definitely a day or two frustration with kernel panics and thinking <laughs> I said everything right, and <laughs> it just didn't work. Like, you know, I thought, okay, all I got to do is follow these steps, and it'll just work. But uh, I don't know if it's ever that easy. It wasn't too bad. Once I figured out what was going on, I, I, everything seems to be working fine. Um, Sorry. And once I get the the final piece, I'll be in pretty good shape. So I've got a couple questions. Are you first of all? Are you glad you did it? And um, you know, there's. I think I will be. I. <laughs> I Not a ringing endorsement there. Well, you know, it's the it's been a long time since I've had to really think about hardware components, and I was a little nervous that I had just wasted a decent amount of money on a bunch of hardware components to have it not work. Uh, but once I got it all figured out, I feel a lot better about it. It's still kind of more for fun than anything else. Relatively speaking, you know, the Hackintosh is significantly more powerful for a fraction of the cost. So, um, you know, maybe up to half the cost. Just be, a large part of that is, uh, way Apple prices their hardware, they don't reduce the prices. So even if, if the hardware's three years old, it's still, uh, it's still the, the same price. I am like, you know, I don't know if we talked about it on, on the podcast or not, but Apple, Discontinued the Thunderbolt display recently, um, which was kind of a sign that maybe they'd have a cinema display coming out uh, with at, around WWDC, but uh, that still hasn't happened. But you know, something that you... kind of surprised me is that the the new MacBooks that only had the USB-C. I really haven't found any way for you to go from USB-C to the Thunderbolt display. So Apple hasn't provided any adapters or anything to make that work. Well, and you have you have a display like that you were going to use for the Hackintosh too, because it was just sitting around, right? But you can't use it because yeah. there's unless you have Thunderbolt. I do not... have I do have a Thunderbolt motherboard, but it's USB C. So oh, okay. I have a Thunderbolt three motherboard, um, but there's no no. You can find on Amazon and a few other places you can find. USB-C to mini display port adapters, but uh, I would caution people uh, to know what they're buying because, you know, looking at the reviews, I think a lot of them don't really work. And even some of the ones I, I found Googling have been discontinued because I don't think they really work as advertised with, with, because there's a difference between mini display port and Thunderbolt. You can't, uh, you know, a mini display port is not an active connection. The data doesn't go both ways. And, uh, mm. so if it's a Thunderbolt display, you really need a Thunderbolt connection. Um, and I think most of the adapters out there that go from USB-C to Thunderbolt don't, or to mini display port really are not 
an active connection, so it doesn't doesn't really work like you would expect. Yeah, that's a weird little display that Apple made. Yeah. Uh, so I have one more Hackintosh related question for you. Have you tried to get iMessage working yet? No, that that's going to come after the. Uh, You're the waiting Bluetooth. for the Bluetooth. Okay. And it's not necessarily high priority for me. This is this is more just for for personal stuff for fun. So yeah, I don't know if I'll be. Okay. Right. I I definitely will give that a try, but I don't I won't be uh, frustrated if it doesn't work. I mean, it's it's possible to get it to work. It it was just a, a fun process trying to figure that all out for sure. Yeah, yeah, I kind of look at it as a hobby, and I honestly don't know what the Eula really prohibits <laughs> with OS yeah. Ten. It's pretty gray. Yeah, or, I, I mean, I'm, I'm certain you can't commercially manufacture right. a Hackintosh and sell it with OS X on it. But uh, there's lots of hobbyists out there. There's there's a lot of uh, um, communities uh, where you can find answers to all these questions. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there with, with issues. It's I think it's a lot easier than it used to be because most of the newer motherboards and graphics cards are fairly well supported these days. But you can also can't necessarily get the latest and greatest. So like the if you if you want the NVIDIA GeForce ten eighty, um I don't think there's any support for that yet, officially. Yeah, there's no drivers yet. Yep. And Well welcome. Uh, yeah, I, I kinda noticed today uh, I upgraded the Hackintosh to you know, it said there's an update available, upgraded to ten eleven six. And uh uh, found out that oh, <laughs> the drivers break as soon as you do an update like that because they have to you have to install specific drivers for each point release. So I had the ten eleven five drivers and and fortunately the drivers were available right away and I could update. But I was like, oh, now I've got to think about that every time I there's a a security patch or something that comes out. You know, will the, are the drivers available yet? It's only the dot releases that that happened for, but yeah, like the major dot releases, I guess. Security updates will update just fine. But yeah, it's, it's something you have to look out for now, but it's not that big of a deal once you're used to it all, which it sounds like you already are. Figured it out just fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm frustrated that this currently is kind of my only option. I mean, yeah, I could buy older hardware, but, you know, I'm... I'm with what's on the market right now from Apple, it's arguably outdated hardware uh, at an inflated price because, price, like I've said before, the prices don't go down over time. Oh, so and because they're not upgradable, like you know, I'd be fine if I could buy an iMac and upgrade it later, but you can't, at least not easily. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely a hobby level time commitment, especially when you get started, but. I I would definitely not mind not having this hobby if you know if Apple had updated hardware out there that they would release more often. But yeah, it or is what at it least is. leave the hardware <laughs> upgradable. Like yeah, in the Mac Pro maybe to some degree, but it's you know it's such a small case that you know you're not going to put like two graphics cards in there so you can do your ultimate VR system. I mean, I would pay more for a, a legit Mac Pro that was upgradable again. Yeah, uh, you know I would them plenty of money but it's not a thing that you can do so yeah yeah and i you know you 
you can rationalize to some degree why the Mac books are not upgradable uh, between like reducing the size, reducing the weight, extending the battery. You know, you can almost buy into to the argument of why everything needs to be soldered in. But um, on the Mac Pro, between it not getting updated for th almost three years and not having the same level of uh, upgradability that previous versions had, it's a little frustrating. Yeah. Come on, Apple. Well. <laughs> we can we can blame Intel to some degree. You know they've been missing their dates on on upgrades to their chips, but um, hopefully you know all this means is that Apple's got some really great stuff coming in a few months, and uh, you know we'll we'll all have to buy new Apple hardware then. But for some people who are kind of stuck in the middle, it's where they need something now, but and something powerful. And, yeah. you know, you and I, more you than me, but, uh, you know, uh, Hackintosh also kind of leaves that door open for uh, a nice gaming and VR system. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's got, it uh, can be used for more than just the hobby Hackintosh. Yeah, sure. Well, that's about all the time we have left this week. Uh, why don't you guys tell me where I can find you on the Internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And I'm at Sam Quarter on Twitter. And I'm at Alex Argo. You can find the podcast, Shared Inst. Uh, join us in our Slack by going to chat.sharedinstance.com and leave us an awesome review on iTunes so that we can reach more people and share us an overcast. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys. Later. Later.